I want a bad boy to call me good girl. <laughs> What's up, good girls and guys? Welcome to the Juiciest Book Podcast, where we discuss our favorite spicy stories from cutesy romance to smut and all the fantasy in between. I'm Carly. And I'm Taylor. Welcome to Read It and Ride It. (laughs) Let's go, baby. (laughs) So on today's pod, we're going to be discussing part one of Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yarrow. This book absolutely popped off on TikTok. Big time. I was pissed because I saw it originally. I didn't think it was going to pop off. I saw probably five TikToks about it. I put it off. And by the time I realized that it was really good and it was going viral, I went to Amazon to order it and it said it was going to take a month and a half. So that whole month and a half, I was literally avoiding going on social media because I didn't (laughs) want to see any spoilers of it. This book is about entering the brutal and elite world of a war college for dragon riders. So if you like Zodiac Academy, it's a college, there's dragons, there's magic wielding, it's fantasy based, or even Akatar, that enemies to lovers vibe, A-Site, Nyctos vibes, you will like this book. Overall, for me, I gave this one a five out of five. I Could not put it down. It was so good. It kept me captivated the whole time. I almost instantly reread it. Same. I wanted to experience it again for the first time. And I'm upset that the next book isn't going to be released until later this year. But I'm glad it's later this year and not a whole year. (laughs) I'm trying to make excuses for it. But I think what really hooked me is once it got to the point where threshing happened and they actually get their dragons so early on in this book. I was like, awesome. So they're not going to be in school for four books. And then the fifth book is finally going to be them in the real world. Such a good point. And then add on the sexual tension that was just building with Zayden, the enemies to lovers. This book did such a good job with the slow burn, which is why I gave it a three because It's a slow burn, but once you get to those spicy scenes, they're spicy and it was totally worth it. It was the perfect amount of spice for this style of book. I don't think it was overdone. 100% agreed. The fact that they just like demolish the bedroom when they finally hook up, I was like, "Mm, that's a three out of six. Yeah, I love it. For me, the overall hook was really, I just saw the dragons on the cover. I was like, fuck yeah, dragons. I'm into it, but from the plot point, you write within either the first or second chapter, you know, there's an action scene crossing that parapet. So it really gets you deep into the world right away. It's not like a slow buildup. It's not her and building her relationship with her mother for three chapters. Right. It's like, bang, her mother doesn't really like her. Mm-hmm. She's sending her to her death. She might die in this parapet. We got to go. Yeah, exactly. And that kind of falls into world building which and fantasy, which I gave a three out of five because it is a limited fantasy world. I think this first book, it's mostly based out of the school. Yes, they do towards the end kind of travel outside of the school. I think the next book is going to be a lot more outside of the school. But for this one, it is mostly within the school grounds. And 
a side note, if you guys only read the ebook, which is what I originally read because I'm an impatient bitch and couldn't wait for the book to ship to me, it only had the map of the school. And in the physical copy, you have the map on one of the pages before the first chapter, but the actual hardcover inside has a detailed map of the entire world. So if you have only read the ebook and you have not seen the detailed map, you may have been as confused as I was. Get a copy, Google it, find a social media outlet. I'm sure it's posted out there for free and you'll better understand really how that is set up and where they're going when they're describing, oh, we flew to this location and more where I was like, I only know what the school looks like. Additionally, we rated this a four out of five for action because there's fucking bloodshed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was not expecting it to be that much. Right away. I mean... Literally, you're thrown instantly into a death-defying scene. And I mean, considering it's a war college and you see constant fighting and battles, you know, organized or otherwise, it's got to be a four out of five. For sure. You know, what surprised me the most is for humor, I actually rated it a four out of five because... It was funnier than what I was expecting. Because sometimes with the fantasy books, I feel like the writing gets majorly caught up in building the plot and what does the world look like? What are all the characters doing? But this one, I felt like she got to the point of everything, added some comedic relief to it, had those action scenes, and it was just really well done with the funny dialogue and everything taking away from how intense that plot was. Because like you said, it was a four out of five. There was massive bloodshed in this, which I needed a comedic relief or else I would have gotten overwhelmed with how brutal the plot was. It kind of reminds me of the Marvel movie franchise, right? Marvel movies, obviously the first thing you think is action, but I think a lot of people also think humor. And that I'm convinced is why they're so successful. They have that perfect balance of action and humor, and fourth wing is the same way. I agree. So for me, sadness-wise, I did a three. I had tears well up in my eyes, but I didn't bawl or I didn't really like cry cry over it. But I did think it was sad. I mean, maybe I'm a softie. I don't know. But yes, tears welled up in my eyes for some other certain deaths. But the part that I actually cried and I i mean, I was crying to the point like I had to look away from my book because I couldn't see what I was trying to read was when Liam dies. So that <sighs> was just ugh, that hit me hard. So for me, it's a four out of five. And I'll talk about it later, too. But my interest level in Liam, I didn't realize how much I loved him until he died. So I feel like if I was invested in him earlier, which I probably should have been, but I wasn't, (laughs) I was more focused on the spice romance building. (laughs) I probably would have cried at the end of it. And speaking of romance building, the last rating we have is our fluff, which we gave a four out of five. You're emotionally invested. It's potential true love, soulmate situation on our hands. We don't know for sure yet. But that's the vibe we're getting that this is going. So, you know, tropes that I would say fall into this book, touch her and you die. (laughs) Self-explanatory. For sure. Enemies to lovers, which is 
by far, I think my favorite trope. I'm always when when it gets into enemies to lovers, I'm always on high alert. Like what's going to be the turning point moment of when they're going to be together? I also think that the you're mine trope Mm. is qualified for this book because there are certain parts where they call each other mine. And that is my favorite. I want to be claimed. Okay, (laughs) claim me. (laughs) (laughs) I also think this book lightly touches on a love triangle somewhat in the beginning with Dane and Zayden. But it wasn't your traditional Edward and Jacob. I feel like in Twilight, you could like either guy. And then there is obviously a point that you hit in this book where you're like, fuck that. There ain't no love triangle anymore. Mm -hmm. Fuck Dane. Mm -hmm. I hate him. hundred percent. That love triangle totally hinted at, but completely squashed. Which I'm honestly glad because sometimes they drag out the love triangle and I have a really hard time and it was very easy for me to pick someone this time around. True. Very true. I don't think it's going to be, you know, team Dane versus team Zayden. I think it's pretty obvious. If you're team Dane, you're a little fucked up. I <laughs> I just need to know why. Give Send me, us a DM, please. Y- you need to make me a PowerPoint because at this point in time, I just could not understand why you would like him at all. I don't get it either. So much betrayal. And we'll get into that. But first, I want to start off with Violet, our lovely MFC, aka main female character. And I want to point out that she, as well as everyone else in this book, is starting off in this college at only 20 years old. Which I liked. I was glad that they weren't just freshly 18, these little children. I thought... It was because typically when you do a college level book, it's like an 18 year old girl and the older guy's 21. It's a little bit weird. This one, they're adults. Right. And I agree. I like it. It's not too big of an age gap. Yes, Zayden's older, but it's, you know, it's not creepy. Yeah. She's also like not just legal. She's (laughs) yeah. She's not this virginal character. Right. And that kind of plays into a personal favorite nickname that I've ever heard in any series. Zayden's nickname for Violet being violence. When I heard him say that the first time, or specifically he said, fascinating, you look fragile and breakable, but you really are a violent little thing. (laughs) I literally like squealed off my bed. I was like, this is totally Castile from from Blood and Ash. Oh my gosh, it so is. I I was like, oh, this is how it's going to be. Let's go. (laughs) You know, I can kind of relate to her in the way that she has a lot of self-doubt. But by chapter three, I noticed she had multiple advantages as well. First off, the scribe training, okay? Two, dragon riding family. Three, she's been learning healer tricks her whole life because of her chronic illness. So even wrapping a leg is second nature to her. I mean, compared to everyone else there, that's... At least two more talents. For sure. I felt like a lot of people were going into it and maybe they had a history of learning how to fight. Right. And essentially being brutal. And then they're like, okay, so you know how to fight. Then you're going to the writer's quadrant. But then specifically with the scribe training, you see how that has made her invaluable throughout the book. And I'm just thinking in my head, why aren't more people learning in this 
scribe quadrant or why aren't they incorporating more scribe like classes into the schooling for the writers? Because it comes up multiple times where she goes back and is like, oh, yeah, this is something that I learned. And here's how it can play into the rest of the book. Yeah, that would make so much more sense. And I'm interested to see if that comes into play in future books. And then for the MMC's main male characters, we obviously have, like I said, the love triangle between Dane, Zayden, and Violet. Yeah, and I think it almost progresses from Dane being the main MMC to Zayden. For sure. And I was pretty hyped that it was it was said in the first chapter. Mira was like, you need to go to Dane after you get to the parapet and make sure you stay away from Zayden. Immediately, my head was like, fuck yeah, Vampire Diaries, <laughs> Stefan versus Damon. Yes! We want a Damon. We want a bad boy. I am already like 60% Zayden because I'm so into the bad boy. But I did hang on to Dane for a pretty long time. Yeah. You know, there's certain things the writer does to make you like him. And one of the first things that kind of was endearing, kind of laughable is when he's described as the squad leader for Fourth Wing. I immediately thought, okay, so he's an RA, which is like from college. (laughs) Right. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Which is kind of accurate because personality wise, he's a total brown nosing rule follower, but like to a fault. I didn't even think of it like that, but that's totally true. And I think just the part that he's her longtime friend, she's known him her entire life, and she's always had a crush on him. I'm kind of was thinking in my head, okay, are they going to get together? And then they kind of fall out of love. Or, you know, there's so many different ways you can Mm -hmm. take that childhood crush angle. But (laughs) I mean, in the end, him being so overprotective was his downfall. Oh, completely agree. His instant action, trying to get her to the scribe quadrant over and over and over, and then using that excuse, it's to save you. That was totally the setup I'm talking about. How it's like, there's these back and forth flirtations. Early on, you're torn because he's protective, which pulls your heartstrings. But because it means he's caring, but at the same time, I mean, dude. I mean, at this point... After probably the third time he wanted to get her to the scribe quadrant, I was like, all right, dude, what's going on? You don't you literally don't believe in her at all. Like, are you doing this because you love her because you want to fuck her? (laughs) I just I can't tell. It was really he started pissing me off so early on that it was so hard to root for him. Right. There's a difference between being overprotective, overbearing in a hot way versus in a hindering way. The For hot, sure. Yeah, the hot way is also giving her the tools to succeed, not locking her in a safe box like Tamlin does versus Resand. Also, the whole thing about them being best friends and he would say some bullshit like, putting on leathers doesn't make you a rider V. They're going to tear you to shreds. And if they don't, the dragons will. He alludes to her being unhealthy and weak, multiple times he's just bagging on her the whole time i'm like what kind of best friend is that and then excuses it by saying shit like i'm trying to keep you alive or do you think i want to watch my best friend die homie fucking help train her then you little bitch (laughs) 
for real. It's like, why wouldn't you want to do that? I just don't get it. <laughs> I think by page 100, when I went back to see when did I really stop liking him was around then because he, like I said, kept trying to get her to leave the scribe quadrant. And in my head, I was thinking of that America's Next Top Model video <laughs> with Tyra Banks, where she's yelling at that girl. She's like, we were all rooting for you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we are all giving you the benefit of the doubt, but you're such a fucking asshole. I just can't. We couldn't get that over it. Hilarious. Also, what was pissing me off, she kept being so naive to him for so long. Like she kept giving him the benefit of the doubt, even though Zayden would be like trying to give her these inklings of maybe he should be doing this if he actually gave a shit about you. Right. And she was just like, whatever, because honestly... Second or third time he told me to get out of there, I would have popped off, ended that friendship. <laughs> I would have not talked to him. I would have been like, you can definitely fuck off. I love that. I, you know, really the turning point for me was more when he was trying to prevent her from using that healer signet after her arm was broken mm. and was willing to let her be in pain to keep her from staying in the writer's quadrant. I'm like, motherfucker, how much do you actually care about her then if you're willing to let her be in pain? It sounds to me more like you're trying to save yourself emotionally than the person you actually care for. Total polar opposite is Aiden, who we love. He's basically the sexy bad boy cocktail, arrogant, has one of the most powerful dragons and has, as you know, sex god looks okay <laughs> you can definitely tell that she likes him more or is at least more sexually attracted to him by how descriptive she is when she sees him for the first time oh a hundred percent this is what i call a fan yourself description in the book quoted she describes him as his features are so harsh that they look carved and yet they're astonishingly perfect, like an artist worked a lifetime sculpting him. And at least a year of that was spent on his mouth. He's the most exquisite man I've ever seen, which by the way, is totally a Feyre seeing Resand for the first time moment. I swear to God, they said almost exactly that. That's what it reminded me of as well. And I think that's why I latched on to Zayden because I was just hoping that he was going to turn into another resand. Exactly. Right. Total foreshadowing. I just love that no matter what, he doesn't coddle her. He wanted her to improve. He wanted to make her stronger. He wanted her to succeed. Whether or not you believe that he was just doing it because if she died, he would die. I don't really believe that's the full story after hearing everything. But there was one specific scene that I really noticed the difference between Zayden and Dane. And it's when she's talking with her squad and Tynan is giving her shit about how she gets preferential treatment because of her relationship with Dane. Right. And she basically says how Dane would have punished Tynan by giving him cleanup duty. And then in her head, she's like, yeah, but Zayden would have just beat the shit out of him. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I would rather have the guy who beat the shit out of people for me. <laughs> yeah, that's like the whole bad boys will destroy the world for you, but a good guy will just save hundreds and kill you. Totally the type of vibe. Totally. And his little tattoo thing that he has because he's a rebel. I loved that shit. 
I loved how all of the rebels had the tattoo. Yeah. And I almost wonder if his seemed to be described as the largest. They all seemed to have that mark, which was punishment by the General Melgren's dragon, described as like shimmering swirls and slash marks starting at the top of the wrist and then potentially going all the way up to the neck. His seemed to be one of the only ones going all the way up to the neck. And I almost wonder if it's because his dad was the one that led the rebellion and he he's took the, the sacrifice. And, oh, and he took the sacrifice. I think I think it was maybe because he was the one that took the sacrifice. So in the beginning, when they're saying that all these rebel children have that marking, I was just questioning why the leadership would agree to force all the children of those conscripts to go into the Riders Quadrant or have the ability to obviously try to get into it because some people do die and not just kill them because their parents were strong enough to make it through the Riders Quadrant and have dragons bond Good to point. them. So why would they even risk them being able to get through and be alive? Because I would say if your parent was able to make it through the Riders Quadrant, most likely the child is strong enough to make it through as well. So then they have to deal with all of these kids. Once they graduate, they have a chip on their shoulder because you killed their parents. Obviously comes through at the end where you're understanding what was going through their head. They kind of just like, oh, yeah, sure. And then they ultimately (laughs) wanted them to get killed. Right. And I originally thought, you know, they let them go into the writer's quadrant to save face. But when it was revealed that Zayden made that deal and took those scars as a sacrifice. And on top of it, within that deal, if any of the Separatist kids betray Navarre, Zayden dies. You know, I don't know. Is it to save face or was it because of his deal? I think he might have just saved all their lives. I think he ended up saving all of their lives, which that bad boy persona that he's trying to give off is totally an illusion. True. And you and you see that at the end. And there is a part though where Seagull, his dragon, and him are described as the most savage rider and dragon pair. Right. But they're also kind of the most caring. Oh, for sure. The last thing I want to point out about the relic tattoos is I think it's really cool. Kind of a little plot twist when we find out that. Four of them together prevents Melgren's signet or signet from seeing outcomes. Because remember how that was his signet? He could see the outcomes of wars and battles and stuff. And they have that rule that only three can be together. So four or more, he can't even see them. I mean, what a backfire. Right. And I think that just comes around to, you know, nature needs balance. They touch on it a bunch of times in the book where this would happen. I'd be like, well, nature needs balance. So (laughs) Something's going to happen here because in other books, sometimes the humans control stuff. But ultimately, you see the dragons are the hierarchy here. And though they need humans to be attached to them for stuff to work, because that's how nature sees it. Mm -hmm. The dragons are making the rules. Right. I mean, they're the big bad in this world. Yeah. Going into kind of the plot more now. I want to start with the Writer's Quadrant Conscription Day, which, like I said, you get right into it from the beginning. Violet's forced by her mother to go into the Rider Quadrant. Mira, her sister, thank God, gifts her a dragon scale vest, literally saves her life. First fucking challenge. I don't understand why not everyone has one. Well, remember, it's because she has that 
writer friend with a signet that can shrink dragon scales. And she even made that joke about like, and he can make other things bigger. (laughs) (laughs) I know. But then she says that she told them and they're working on it in quotations. It's just another thing. Like, why aren't they getting scribe knowledge? Because that's helpful. That's true. It's like, don't you want them to stay alive when they're battling people? Or do you not? Doesn't seem that hard. Yeah, I I think the thing is, maybe once they graduate the college, they would. I don't think they would give those vests to the people in the college because they have that whole, you know, eliminate the weak vibe going on, which is just right. It's I don't think they would allow the dragon scale vests. And one thing they definitely did not allow was the Book of Brennan, which was the second gift from Mira. I totally teared up at the note to Mira from Brennan saying, you have to live because Violet is watching. You can't let her see you fall. I definitely teared up when that happened because it's just so cute. Her brother's dead, but it's like he's there and he was able to help her through the school. I mean, obviously he's not dead, but (laughs) I know I'm like dead in quotes. (laughs) At the the time, she believed that he was dead. Right. And it was like she could read it and have him there. And she probably missed him a lot because it sounds like all of her and her siblings were close and her dad, but her estranged relationship with her mom. And obviously she's not even, she can't talk to her sister or her mom during the school part of it. So all she has is her brother there, which I thought was really sweet. That was really sweet. And one of the last parting things that Mira said before she goes to do the parapet crossing was other writers can kill you at any time and the cutthroat cadets will try. I was literally reading that like, what the fuck? Killing is allowed? What a cutthroat ass college. I agree. I mean, right away you see just how cutthroat it is because there's that character that's in it for like two pages. Okay, Dylan tells a story about getting married, has the ring around his neck then slips and dies because of the rain, I literally gasped out loud. Like, this is the first taste of how truly brutal this world is and how quickly Rebecca Yarrow can make you emotionally attached to a character only to kill him off. Right. I was totally expecting someone to die on the parapet. I feel like it was foreshadowed to Mm -hmm. be that way. I was honestly shocked by Dylan dying. I thought Violet was going to be a little bit more cutthroat. So I thought when she gave her shoe to Rhiannon, she was going to push her off or something. (laughs) But then I thought about it. I was like, why would she push her off? She gave her a shoe. Then she wouldn't have her shoe again. But I thought it was maybe going to be those vibes. Yeah. I mean, when she's actually crossing the parapet, you kind of see how she's actually innocent because she's listing that scribe data to help her get out of her head. That was hilarious. (laughs) That's a good example of the humor in the book. That scene was so intense. Like I could see it in my mind, close my eyes. There's really good fan art about this and how it looks as well. If you haven't seen it, but you're just walking across, it's storming. She's just got her arms out balancing. She says like, this, this, almost fell. Here we go. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) I would have definitely fallen off and died. I would have been Dylan. (laughs) No, no fucking way I would have made a cross. Oh, hell no. Hell no. And then this fucking Jack guy. So insane. Throwing that kid off the parapet. But then like at the same time when after he chases Violet off and she totally lives and like a badass is almost chopping his balls off. 
<laughs> See, this is where I differ a little bit because like I said, I thought she would maybe kill someone on the parapet. And so when she had him by the balls, I was like, okay, <laughs> you either need to chop his balls off or you need to push him back and kill him because you need to establish some sort of dominance because people already don't like you. And then she didn't. And I was like, okay, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. You're not going to be savage. Not a killer. No. Yet. It's fine. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we get to Zayden's intro. Zayden immediately moves her to a squad wing. And I was like, I kind of love it, but I'm also kind of scared. <laughs> <laughs> it scared you? <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, oh my God, he wants to kill her. But I'm also like, you know, maybe this will be he wants something. to kill her with his dick. Hey. <laughs> Um, this is also the first time everyone sees a dragon, and it happens to be Zayden's dragon, Seagull, who burns people that run away. And Violet, looking at them, says, the look in his eyes is similar to the one in Seagull's, and it dawns on me why she chose him. They're both ruthless, both willing to annihilate whatever stands between them and what they want. Which I love, because he's immediately savage. So and what it made me think of is... I want a bad boy to call me good girl. <laughs> 100%. One of the things about the college that I liked was that battle brief class because they discussed real events that were happening outside of the college. So sometimes when they're at college, you have no idea what else is going on, but they would obviously discuss real events, maybe not to the extent that they were actually happening, but it really contributed to the world building aspect because you're seeing what is this world outside? What are they going to be dealing with once they graduate in three years? Or for Zayden, he was already in his last year. What is he going to be dealing with when he goes out there? Okay, that part specifically when Jack was shaming her in class and the teacher cuts him off and is like, she's right. I was like, boom, motherfucker. Cut his ego down, professor. <laughs> <laughs> it's also described in this class why the dragons need humans because i remember thinking like why do dragons need people and they literally say dragons need puny humans to have powers from bonding to fuel the wards and protect the veil from the reality of the outside of navarre because nature needs balance to rule i did think it was an interesting concept of how the dragons were soul bonded because the humans in this book, they're humans. So I feel like a lot of times there's dragons and the people are immortal, but they're humans. The people are going to die. So the majority of the time that person will die, the dragon is hurt by it, but they'll get over it. But sometimes the dragon is so soul bonded to the human that the dragon will actually die itself. Right. Which is honestly kind of crazy and the fact that the humans having an expiration date and not living together makes the action more powerful so like they could actually literally die and they will die and they're not gonna come back i don't think there's really a resurrection option except obviously something happened with brennan but that was because someone had a signet and essentially had to have sacrificed their life right and it didn't even work yeah. So at this point, there is no resurrection. I loved Rhiannon. I thought she was great. She's not a sidekick. I wouldn't call her, her a sidekick because she's no. obviously badass. She does her own shit. But I was preparing for worst case scenario 
Violet was actually going to follow Mira's advice to not make any friends. And I was just really glad that she didn't do that and that Rhiannon also didn't turn out to be a bitch. Yeah, I totally fell in love with Rhiannon when she said, I could ask you just who the hell you are to Dane. (laughs) I thought, okay, this Rhiannon chick is badass and I hope she survives and stay friends with Violet. But in a school like that, I was like, oh, God. And Mira saying, you know, don't make friends. People turn on you. Yeah. You just really didn't know what to expect. Right. But she ends up being loyal to the core. And Rhi turns out to be bi, as well as many other characters. There in this book, more so than any book I've ever read, is a lot of representation, specifically covering the LGBTQ plus community, different races, mentions of segregation, such as the separatists being called the Mark ones, and even certain disabilities, such as the deaf scribe and Violet having a chronic illness. I think it was really subtly done as well. Yeah. Because I feel like I was just reading it and it wasn't oh, we need to highlight this and make sure that you know I'm giving representation here. It was just casual. Like when they use the they, them for Heaton, I honestly didn't realize that until you pointed it out because it was so casually done. No, yeah. At first I was confused. I literally thought, because I read books slower and in detail and I'm literally taking in every single word. So I catch, you know, typos and stuff like that. And I thought, okay, these are typos. Like it's not supposed to be they, them until the end when there was a specific scene where it was like, okay, this was like the third or fourth time Heaton is addressed as they, them. And I had never had those pronouns used in a book, which I just thought was so cool. Like Rebecca Yarrow really hits inclusivity on a level that I've never seen in another book. I think it's crazy that so many more people die only at the mats. I mean, they haven't even gotten to the crazy hard stuff yet. And there's people like Jack breaking kids' necks, honestly, to no one's surprise, though, and using excuses like, how was I supposed to know his neck was that weak? Like, what an insane ass prick. He literally just does the most random crazy shit. And I'm just like, is he a part of some upcoming revolution? What is what is right. the point of him being so that shit crazy at and this point. Evil. What is he what is he gaining from this? And I was really at this point in time, I was really hoping that she would kill him in this book in some sort of way because I didn't want to deal with his psychotic ass. You know, Jack is obsessed with killing Violet and the separatist kids, which I thought was interesting because the other people who want to kill Violet are the separatist kids. So he was like one of those randos. Right. And it made me think, okay, is he one of the people who were prisoners and forced to go through this, expected to die? I don't know. I think it was just fucking crazy. There's just no other word besides that. Violet is a goddamn genius, poisoning her challenges opponents. I was literally calling her the poison queen. <laughs> Shout out that book of Brennan, though. For real. I also love that Zayden instantly shows that he would rather help her improve, unlike someone we know. Right. He noticed that she had been using the poison. And he was like, well, you're not going to be able to poison people in real life. You need to know how to fight. Right. 
I think the most iconic Poison Queen scene is when Violet is finally facing off with Jack and forces him to eat that piece of orange because he's allergic. Like, she didn't even have to make a potion. She just fucking fed him orange. (laughs) (laughs) Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. Goodbye. (laughs) That's exactly what I was thinking in my head. I thought he was going to die too, but then he didn't. I I know. That was disappointing. My favorite Matt scene was when Violet and Rhee are oogling over Zayden. Oogling, bitch. Oogling. Oogling. <laughs> I think it's oogling. No way. It's not fucking oogling. Okay, no DM us. I'm How looking, do you pronounce it? No way. We need to look this up. Oogling? Yes. No. Like, oogling. I'm, dude, no. You literally sound like you're on like Tubble Tubbies or something. <laughs> I'm going to oogle you. No. <laughs> it's ogle. It's fucking ogle. I'm I'll looking this up. I'm this. looking this up later. Okay. Whatever way you say it, when Rhea and Violet are drooling over Garrett and Zayden shirtless sparring on the mat, the shit, the dialogue, I was cackling. Oh I was imagining it in my head. They're literally drooling over him like, God damn, he's so fucking hot over there with his shirt off. Sweating. Yes. The way she's like, they're sparring like their lives depend on it. Fast with rippling muscle. Every edge of Zayden's body honed like a weapon. Barely leashed power. Oh my gosh. I was like fanning myself. (laughs) Like, holy shit, I want to be there. And what's cool too is that is exactly like the scene when Nesta is watching Az and Cass spar in A Court of Silver Flames, which is the most recent release from the Akatar series. Yeah. So, you know, I want to bring up, there are so many things in this book that remind me of other books. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I actually kind of like it because as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is just like kind of like you were with the cast thing, right? For sure. It's like, okay, this is a book I'm going to like. Yeah. I agree. Zayden shows his true colors when she finally overhears him talking to the Separus kids about handling her so that they don't kill her. And the way that he helps them and says, you know, you have targets on your back. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I was just like, okay, this guy actually cares. I thought they were meeting up in the woods, too, to do some conspiracy and then you see that they're just meeting because they're at a disadvantage because no one wants them there. So they kind of have to stick together to be able to make it through. Right. And also when he points out to them when they're like, yeah, let's kill her, blah, blah, blah. And he says, why would you kill her for her mother's actions? I was like, mind blown. Okay. Such a good point. Cause that's exactly what happened to them. Their parents were killed and then they were punished for their parents' actions. So it was very hypocritical of them to want to kill her for the same reason. Absolutely. And then I think the best part is when everyone leaves and she's coming down from the tree because she thinks everyone's left. And then he emerges from the shadows and you learn that he controls the shadows as part of his signet. Shadow daddy. Let's go. Another shadow daddy. (laughs) That's what I'm about. Love a shadow daddy. I was like, that attraction was up, but fucking crank that. New level. 100%. And then the way he uses the shadow to caress her cheek. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want a shadow to caress my cheek. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And 
at this point, I was, you know, wanting her to start developing a relationship with Zayden in some sort of way, but he's kind of been keeping to the background for the most part. And this is where they really have their first interaction alone. And you see that they're so flirty and that their banter is going to be great. So for, for example, I was thinking of when he's starting to walk away and she's like, you're not going to handle me. And he's like, not tonight. <laughs> she's like, what are you waiting for? And Zayden goes, it's no fun if you expect it. Now get back to bed before your wing leader realizes you're out for curfew. And she's like, what? You're my wing leader. Like, <laughs> okay. All right. We love I a see little too. flirting and banter. We like it. We like it. And Violet against Zayden on the mats when she flings the dagger at him and he catches it. Uh-huh. Panty melter. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is also the first time he calls her violence. Like, are we going for blood today, violence? He whispered, swoon. <laughs> and then we get into threshing, which is the bonding of the dragons to the characters, which I'm just so glad we didn't have to wait until the end of the book or the next book to get dragons because I just really didn't know how the timeline was going to play out. And I thought there was enough plot buildup to this point for them to go into it. It's interesting because I've heard people say, you know, oh, they didn't think this book was that detailed. I thought it was actually I could see the world in my head. I could see the college, the characters. And like you said, I'm glad we skipped all the BS and got to the good stuff. Because that could have been dragged on a long time and it would have been unnecessary in my opinion. I'm a slut for the smut, but a hoe for the action. (laughs) Starting off with the gauntlet, I was sitting on the edge of my seat because she's her squadron's weakest link. Okay. And her having to use that dagger to scale the wall like a badass. I was literally squealing like, (laughs) oh my God, she's so cool. Right. Plus total American Ninja Warrior vibes, especially with the wall at the end. I mean, that is exactly how American Ninja Warrior tracks end. Right. And honestly, I American Ninja Warrior, great comparison. I was thinking of Wipeout with those big red balls where the yes. people jump off and they're like, and end up in the water. Yes, that is such a good one. <laughs> uh, I love how she, I wonder if she was inspired by that. I wish we could ask her. I know. Like Rebecca Yarrow. What do you think in your head? (laughs) (laughs) And then after they do the presentation, walking past the dragons willing to bond, they finally go to the threshing out in this field. And it's so trippy that if a dragon selects you, it calls you with a feeling that like pulls you to them. Like, I want a dragon to call me to pull me to them. (laughs) Right. And and then all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, this is going to be a cute moment. Like maybe she'll get a dragon. Maybe she won't. I honestly kind of thought she wouldn't because she's weaker. But instead, she overhears those three jackasses, including the biggest jackass, Jack, <laughs> trying to go and kill the golden puppy dragon. I was freaking out. <laughs> I honestly didn't realize at first that they were talking about the gold dragon because they were talking about someone small. And I think this is Maybe one of my skimming moments, I'll admit it. But (laughs) I thought they were talking about killing her. So when she started following them, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? They are literally looking for you. You're going (laughs) to get killed. What are you doing? Yeah, no. So I caught on that they were going after the golden dragon. And the fact that she still protects Andarna, even with a bad ankle, cut up hands, a bad arm, 
I think really shows her mental strength at blocking pain, Mm -hmm. which others in that quadrant and war college, I don't think can do to the same extent she can, especially because of her chronic illness. No way. Also, the part where Zayden almost steps in against the rules just proves how much better he is than Dane. I was squealing. (laughs) I was like, he took a step. He took a step. (laughs) And then the black dragon showed up. I mean, this whole part, I'm like legit screaming. My dogs are looking at me like I'm crazy. And, you know, going back to that mental strength, Tarn, the black dragon, literally chooses her because she's the smartest and most cunning and defends Andarna with ferocity and courage. Shows that dragons don't only value physical strength like the war college seems to think. Right. When she got two dragons made it to her, I was like, let's go. Go, big two dragons. boy, two dragons. <laughs> I, the whole time I was just trying to figure out who she was going to end up with because they had mentioned the black dragon back in the college. And I was like, okay, maybe she's going to get that one. Obviously, you have to kind of think forward and know. And then they mentioned the yellow one. I was like, okay. And then she met the yellow one first. And I was like, okay, she's really going to get the small one. Like, hopefully it can do something. (laughs) (laughs) And then I also kind of thought for a second that maybe she was gonna end up with a dragon that was somehow related to Zayden's dragon, just because Mm. Siegel was looking at her so weird yeah. Or I thought maybe she was going to, like, override Zayden's bond oh, and, shit. and become <laughs> bonded to his dragon instead. But I'm happy with the way that it ended. Me too. When, <laughs> you know, you're not really sure that the feather tail and Darna is going to be hers. And when she walks up and writes Tarn's name and then <laughs> in her head is like, and right in Darna. I was like, she gets two dragons. <laughs> the first ever to get two dragons. We knew she was going to be special or she wouldn't be the main character. But once again, see, this is why we popped off on Dane from the start. Because first person to have two dragons, he straight up tells her, you cannot have two dragons. And has the audacity to even tell her which one to choose. Which, of course, is the feather tail. Which can't even carry her weight. Like, ex fucking excuse me, Dane? What do you mean she has to choose? And why are you acting like you can choose for her? But thankfully, like, leadership and Dane can't do shit because the dragons have the final say. And I love how the chapter ends with all hell breaking loose because that's exactly how I reacted. Clearly, I'm super amped right now and I'm not even physically reading it. (laughs) So just picture me reading it for the first time. I'm like, ah! (laughs) I'm <laughs> so excited. <laughs> I know. And then when Dane kisses her and oh. she's just <laughs> cringe. <laughs> she's just like, oh, that's not what I was expecting. I was just like, thank God she now realizes there's no sexual attraction to him because she was still simping for him for a hot minute. And now she's like, all right, I'm over it. Plus, on top of it, he's Kissing her for trying to make up for the fact that he literally admitted that he wouldn't have stepped in to save her. He's like, oh, here's to make up for it. I'll just give you a kiss. But if those people would have killed you back there, we wouldn't be able to kiss right now. It totally turns from a he's worried about her safety evolving into I don't believe you have what it takes to survive. And it seems pretty strategic that he kisses her now 
that she survived and has two dragons, one being the most powerful, super sus. He also starts to get physically aggressive with her. Like when when he's like, why didn't you tell me you can't fucking keep your seat when she's falling out of the saddle? And she's like, I'm sorry. And she's yanking her arm out of his hold. Like, why are you getting all grabby all of a sudden? It just doesn't make any sense. Like his red flags are just popping up everywhere at this point. Major red flags. And, you know, at this point, I kind of thought he reminded me of Kale from Throne of Glass because he was such a fucking dick teacher's brown nosing rule following annoying fuck. You know? (laughs) Accurate description. (laughs) Thank you. I thought that was pretty good. Especially after admitting he wouldn't break the rules for her. And then even going back to her later and saying, I shouldn't have kissed you, but only because he's her senior. Oh my God. I was so cringy. So just, ugh. you know, I think anyone at this point reading the book is over him. We're over him. You have to be at this point. There's team Zayden. Team fucking Zayden all the way. I, so, so now they have their dragons. I love the fact that they have an inner dialogue in their head with their dragon. It is so fucking funny. I was literally like, they could talk to their dragons. I wonder, though, specifically what Zayden said to Seagull on conscription day, because they talk about how Seagull and Violet literally make eye contact. Right. So I'm just like, was he saying in her mind, like, that's that one bitch whose mom killed my dad? Like it had to have been right. It had to have have been having a conversation. And I feel like now that we know that. Seagull and Tarn have a mental connection as well. I feel like they were relaying the fact that she was there. Because I think her being in the writer's quadrant was a surprise to Zayden. Oh, definitely. So, (laughs) yeah. I love Tarn because he's literally like her grumpy old dad. (laughs) He, He just doesn't take her shit. The fact that she's trying to tell him like no no you don't want me and he's like just get on my fucking back bitch i'm not gonna repeat myself (laughs) i think it was nice that he came in and he's filling this older male role in her life because right her dad just passed her dad's dead her brother's dead she doesn't have someone like that i mean she has her sister who kind of has some sort of like an adult mom dad role in her life but her mom fucking hates her apparently she never talks to her so that's a good point she almost fills both roles for her so having not only tarn but andarna i think that's yeah because i imagine andarna's voice is like little girl voice like she's so cute (laughs) she's almost like her little sister yeah that she never had because i feel like mira was so hard and they were so Mm -hmm. opposite she really finally, I think, has a family that understands her. Oh, my gosh. You know what? We got to add found family trope to the list of tropes. True. Totally found family. Yes. And I also want to comment on the different banter she has with the different dragons. Instantly, when she almost falls to her death, first time riding on Taryn's back, first of all, bitch, are you kidding me? But also... Taryn scoops her up, which a lot of the other dragons won't do. They'll just let you die. So there's a dad trait right there. But then he's also like, you're making us look bad. Stop it. I was like, 
he's so sassy. And then there's so many scenes where Darna just skids to a halt in front of her, has the cute little paws, the neck breaking head tilt. Oh my gosh. I just, and her little pitch voice saying, I want to battle too. I mean, oh my God. They're, they're so cute. Totally found family. It's what she needed. She was in emotional distress. She had too many holes in her life. Yeah. And they were honestly perfect for her. And the other thing, too, another part of her family would be Sagal and Zayden, almost by default, because Tarn and Siegel are a mated pair. And not only a mated pair, but the strongest bonded pair in centuries. Right. I, I love that the dragons are mates, because this is basically saying now Zayden and her are going to be together in some capacity for the rest of their life. And it was starting to foreshadow towards what their potential future could be. Right. And the part where it alludes to if she dies because of the mated pair of their dragons and their bonds, he would die. She finally realizes, okay, Zayn's not going to kill me. I was kind of iffy on the legitimacy of that theory. For sure, because at this point, their relationship is really starting to change. I would think that he was using the excuse of their dragons being bonded for him not to kill her. I think he's been developing feelings for her for a hot minute. And this was just a facade that he was putting on. So he came off as the bad boy. But ultimately, I don't think he would ever try to kill Violet. Yeah. And you know what? This is actually the part where I realized, okay, the Separus kids won't want to kill her now either because she's linked to Zayden, who is essentially their leader. Mm, I don't know why I didn't notice that. They didn't mention this in the book, but what if, you know, the dragons and Zayden and some sort of obviously rebellion thing could come back again? What if they decided to bond with Violet? Because if it came to the point where the general, her mom... And Zayden had to face off in kind of a death battle. Her mom would maybe not want to kill Zayden because that would then mean that Violet would die. So maybe it was like more of a strategic move versus him actually like loving Violet. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, is anything real? (laughs) I, I know, but then I think like. I don't think her mom actually gives a shit about her. So it's probably not true. Kind of concerning. I want to talk about my golden retriever boy, Mr. Liam. He (laughs) is so freaking cute. I love him. He's little making his little dragon carvings and protecting her for Zayden. I love it. A golden retriever is totally his spirit animal. (laughs) Absolutely. If golden retrievers existed in this realm, he would definitely be one or have one. hundred percent. You know, I got so emotional when Liam's family stories revealed and he saw his mom and dad get killed. Even though his mom was the general, they still killed his dad. I thought this was really revealing because at this point, you know, Violet was under the impression that only the separatist Uh, leaders were getting killed and she knew the kids were you know sent into foster homes and stuff which is actually how he knew Zayden but on top of it his other parent is killed and he's separated from his sister I mean they really mistreated these kids additionally it's verified by scribes notes calling Fenry Orson's rebellion a conspiracy that's unspeakable and not worth repeating which is some brainwashed bullshit 
Yeah, at this point, it's pretty obvious that the kingdom is corrupt, or at least the leadership of the kingdom is corrupt. Because one other scene that I was thinking of was when the kid was getting his mind reading powers as a signet, and he can't control it. He's yelling out loud all of these things that he's hearing from people's heads. And then the professor just comes up and snaps his neck. God, that was so savage. Dude, what? It just shows that the elder people and the leadership, if they can't control you, if you have a powerful signet, if you're not going to follow their rules or they don't think that you're going to be able to follow their rules, you're done. They're going to kill you. Brutal. No questions asked. I mean, this world is this is why it's bloodshed level people. Okay, this world is savage. Speaking of people getting their signets. I was getting worried about Violet not getting hers. But when she does finally get her powers, like the basic shit, I was literally like, I'm sorry, what the fuck? Is her power being super horny? (laughs) Like, but I mean, obviously we know it turns out to be Tarn's emotions through the bond. (laughs) And the, but the fact that she's literally just like almost pouncing on Liam, who she's never had a sexual attraction to. I'm like, oh my God, I hope she runs into Zayden, which she does. (laughs) I love that he instantly gets jealous. Like he's just like, who are you with? Like she was going to sleep with Liam or something. But I was low key kind of hoping that she was going to hook up with Liam because then like Zayden would have to feel her through the bond (laughs) like when they were hooking up oh my gosh which would have been so like here's payback bitch you're not gonna hook up with me here i go yes i that would have been a good well played well written out plot line too i know but i don't think she would do that she's too nice but anyways they have one bomb ass makeout session against the wall i thought they were maybe gonna hook up here they didn't obviously but i wanted them to so bad i think here it was more than just lust. Like they yeah. didn't just want to hook up. I I know that's what it's alluding to because of the bond, but I feel like there's more because if it was just lust, I think Zayden would have hooked up with her. I don't think he would have stopped. I think he would have just gone for no, it. It's because they both have some emotional investment, whether they want to admit it or not. Right. And he's just in denial at this point. Oh, 100%. <laughs> when... They're having this intimate moment. I did not catch this until it's mentioned later in the book. But Violet seeing that bright flash of thunder snow that's super rare just before Zayden breaks the kiss and him giving her a weird look. He's a damn genius. The fact that he totally knew and called what her signet was before anyone else knew. So really our whole fear from here on out of, okay, she's tapped into her powers. She needs to get her signet or she could literally blow the fuck up was irrelevant because she literally channeled her shit first fucking night. She got her powers. Right. She just didn't notice it yet. She didn't have the harnessing of the power yet, which she eventually obviously gets, but She goes through this period where she has these magical powers, but she doesn't have her full signet yet. So she's vulnerable. Right. And that's when this whole assassination thing comes up. I don't understand how they thought if they killed her that they would get Tarn. Right. Because that was the whole reason why they were trying to kill her. She was like, she has the most powerful dragon. I don't have a dragon. The dragon literally chooses you. I understand that dragons look at physicality, but 
obviously this dragon is not looking at physicality if it chose Violet. So what in your right mind made you think that Tarn was going to respect you enough to choose you after you killed her? Exactly. It's just another thing about how much this college really does not understand about these dragons. But when she's fighting off these assassinators, or however you say it. Assassins. (laughs) Assassinators. I don't know. Fucking Terminators, these bitches. (laughs) I literally thought her power was being Medusa. But really, it's the time-freezing Goldie, who apparently is a two-year-old baby dragon. But literally, I was like, what is going on? She's Medusa. That's a really dope power. Time-freezing, though, even better. And then Zayden comes in and saves her, loses his shit, and says one of my favorite lines, she's merciful. That's not a flaw I possess. Giving you total touch her and you die vibes and regrets not killing them slower when he sees the bruises on her throat. I mean, so brutal and possessive. It's maybe a little toxic that I love it. You gotta love the toxic bad boys, though. That's... That's, that's just why we're here. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what we do. When we find out Amber is a conniving little bitch and was the one who opened the door for them to kill her. Oh, my God. You know, I felt bad for Cleta. I may be saying that wrong. Her dragon. Mm-hmm. Because they talk about the severance of that bond and, oh, God, the way they describe the scream. But, I mean, she kind of deserved it. She for sure deserved it. And I think that's why the dragon didn't reach out and maybe try and save her. But it's essentially her soul being snapped. So I get it. I cannot. This is another fuck you, Dane moment. Why the fuck did he think demanding her to show him the memory was okay like why the fuck did he feel entitled to that he is absolutely disgusting trying to put his hands on her and be like you have to fucking show me i need to know like no you don't take her fucking word for it then he takes over her training wards her room the sexual tension it was building but now it's getting hot hot I mean, I don't know how they have the kind of willpower they have holding off for literal months because we have a time jump at this point. I'm like, just fuck already. Right. And we know the dragons are fucking during this time. So they're (laughs) having to go through that lust feeling. No way. I just. I couldn't do it. Bravo. Bravo. Round of a fucking applause (laughs) because I could not wait that long. Me neither. (laughs) While the sexual tension is building, the plot and action are only growing. And I think the plot and action being so captivating is what's keeping me in it because they haven't fucked yet. <laughs> like, right. I'm waiting for them to fuck, but the plot is so interesting to me. I'm staying with it. And when they start into the squad battle and they go into General Soringale's office and they steal the battle plans... And she's looking over the battle map. And she's like, this isn't making sense. I'm literally like, scribe mind again to the rescue. She's the only one who would be able to notice that. She's like, this isn't adding up. It's alluding to the future that, you know, something is going on. Also important to mention that I didn't notice until I went back again to look at it was this is the only point where Amogan's erasing your mind power is mentioned. It's only mentioned this one time. Really? Yes. 
And it makes me wonder, has she been using it on Violet to erase her memories? Because Dane can read her memories, as we know later on in the book, that it's not when he just touches her temples like he said it was. Mm -hmm. It's when he touches her face, at least. Right. So how does emojis work? So no. What if emojin was paired with her on purpose by Zayden so that emojin was touching her when they were battling on the mat, but she was actually erasing her recent memories so that if Dane touched her, he wouldn't know what she was recently thinking. Boom. Holy shit. Girl, you just blew my mind. (laughs) I know. Like what? I mean, the amount of things they could manipulate with her power exponential. Right. And makes me even know how it works. She might not even have to touch her. Exactly. Wild shit. (laughs) And then later on in the squad battle, Zayden shows up and he's just like, oh, the dragons can't be parted. I have to be here. Yeah, I'm okay, like, buddy. excuses, excuses. All right. Okay, but honestly, I literally get whiplash because Zayden's kissing her, but it's only to stall her heavily mixed feelings here. Okay. And then he speaks into her mind like, holy shit, they could speak to each other's heads too. Literally like Rysand and Feyre. But then he's toying with her. Like, you never considered that it was you I couldn't stay away from. But then he's setting boundaries. I'm like, what do I think at this point? You know? Um, like, does he want her or not? Right. He, he was totally hot and cold for a 100%. hot minute. I mean, literally for months they don't touch. And then all of a sudden you come back because you can't be separated from her, supposedly by the dragons. And then says shit like, I hope you didn't get any ideas while we were in the dark there. Okay, when the fuck did you get flirty? I'm just so lost at this point. I know. And then he starts saying cute little things like, I realized the first time I recklessly kissed you that I'm fucked because I can't stop thinking about doing more than just kissing you. Like, hello, you want to fuck her? (laughs) (laughs) We're just slowly peeling back the layers of the onion on this guy. Right. Comes out of left field. Yeah. We finally get to capture the flag and whatever that stupid egg game is. (laughs) But I know I was like, all right, whatever. The important thing is fucking jack fuck (laughs) i was like my heart was racing the entire scene jack thrusting his sword through liam's side kicking him off his dragon i was like holy fuck he's gonna die he's gonna die and then and darna time freezing risking it for the biscuit tarn and v diving down saving his life before he hits the ground and then all of a sudden violet is like, I'm going to blow the fuck up. I haven't powered my signet yet. I Okay, I literally at this point was like, she is literally going to do a suicide squad moment going after Jack. But no, she was really just gearing up to lightning bolt his ass. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of sus after that, though. I mean, cool moment. But also, her mom has storm powers. And, you know, later on, it's revealed the lightning is big factor into how to kill venom and you know the main bad guys that we learn about later at this point we don't know about them we think they're a fable right but if her mom has storm powers does that not include lightning 
that's honestly confusing too because I know you would think lightning would be a part of a storm but in general I think the signets that they gain from the dragons is very interesting because it's not like you're inheriting your parents power you're getting it from the dragon so I thought it was interesting that she kind of had a subset of her mom's power in a way because it is lightning and those are related. But then I was also kind of assuming that she would get the healing power or whatever it was that Tarn's it wasn't healing, but it was some sort of, well, Brennan, her brother had the healing and Tarn's old rider had the ability to absorb powers of others around him. Okay, that's what it was. So either of those would have I, been so cool. I thought that you would get, doesn't it make sense that you would get the power that the previous writer had because it's the same dragon? But the dragons, I guess, have like this unlimited stool of power. So I don't know if they're choosing what they pass on to them no. or it's just what they're allowed to pass on. No. So I think in some ways, yes. Here's the thing. It's mentioned in the book at some point that it's who you are at your core mm. as a human being that determines your signet. It's not actually the dragon. However, the dragon powers you, right? Like Tarn literally picked the time when he was going to allow his power to flow into her. Right. But it's really her and who she is that determines it. And that's why she has that total meltdown episode where she's right. like, why is my power lightning and death? destroying shit when my brothers was healing you know I thought I'd be healing which like yeah I kind of thought she would too but I think it's just necessary for her to have kind of something like that on her side because she has all these other strengths that are more emotional based and softer and now she has something that makes her strong physically like I'm not fucking with a lightning wielder are you kidding me zap my ass right and the whole her killing Jack with the lightning, I literally shot up. I was like, fuck yeah. We do not have to deal with Whack Jack anymore. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> <Whack> Jack. <laughs> We're done with it. But I, w- I mean, I was a little disappointed that all she used was her lightning. Like, obviously, she just kind of crushed the building and he fell. And it was just like, oh, okay. He definitely was so psychotic that I think he deserved a neck snap or a stabbing. So it made me annoyed with her, how invested she was in his death and how much she was hurt by it. And I, I understand that's her character. They're showing that she still has humanity, but I just wanted her to be a little bit happy that he was at least dead because now she doesn't have to deal with him trying to kill her. He literally would have friends. He would have literally never stopped until she died. No. And two things I want to point out. One, her guilt of making her first kill totally overshowers the awesomeness. Even Tarn roars with pride, lightning wielder, and I'm just so hype, but she's just all depressed. And two, this is really a turning point for who the antagonist is. Okay, starting off, it's totally Jack. He's the main bad guy. He's constantly trying to kill her. Zayden's like, quote unquote the bad guy but he doesn't do any shit like jack does right and there's always in the background the looming possibility of that kingdom and the leadership being bad at this point i I wouldn't say they're actual antagonists and then we pivot into dane 
in this point. He's already been building up into an antagonist role. But and I actually laughed at this part, but it, it really just it's the perfect transition into B- Dane being the antagonist. <laughs> but Violet's sick from making her first kill. And Dane tries to comfort her, saying some bullshit like, if you don't want to use that kind of power again, you don't have to. But then's abruptly cut off by Zayden, like, get the fuck away from her with that nonsense, pushing her out of his arms. I was like, it's like, you motherfucker. Why are you fucking saying shit like that? She obviously needs to use her fucking power. Right. She needs to learn to control it, I guess. I just, I don't understand why she thought she was never gonna kill anyone even if she wasn't gonna kill anyone if she got away with not killing anyone at school you're gonna go out there in the real world and you're gonna kill people i just that part for me it's hard right you know i think she was really trying to hold on to the type of person her dad was going to be a scribe there's no violence in the scribe world but you, you know, gotta grow up, sister. Yeah, I think it was honestly the f- perfect person for to be her first kill because I think she's able to get over it quickly. He was a POS, okay? Piece of shit. <laughs> we didn't like him. Nobody was sad he's died. I don't think there was a funeral or nothing. He went in one of those gravestones. Yeah, I which, agree. Which is sad, but not as sad as other shit that happens. I mean, people die all the time in this world. I wasn't sad at all. Yeah, you know, I, I'll admit I fear I a fucking party. <laughs> <laughs> got one of those fucking confetti cannons and shot it off and said fuck Ayo! yeah <laughs> <laughs> bye bye jack <laughs> Alrighty, so we're gonna stop here for now see part two it's coming out august 23rd and i'm most excited for part two because first off we're starting with they finally fuck which hello is, that's what we like it's glorious <laughs> it's glorious it was glorious and then the end of it is our theories, which we've kind of mentioned a few small ones here and there already. But oh, my gosh, some of the theories like I've read some of Carly's theories and she's read mine. Oh, my God, you guys, I'm so excited to hear what you think. I'm excited to see if any of them come into fruition in the future books. We'll have to see what the second one contains in November. Perfect. Every episode, we want to shout out someone else in the bookish community. And for this episode, we wanted to shout out Meg Illustrate on Instagram. We chose you, Meg, because you posted this beautiful drawing you did of Violet from Fourth Wing. And it currently is pinned at the top of her profile. Go take a look. The way she has Violet leaning is so unique, but totally shows her personality and attitude and honestly gives Kim Possible vibes. So take a look at her page. She has commissions open and a lot of other fan art from other books that we have read as well as books that you may have read. So if you want to follow her again, it's Meg Illustrate, M-E-G-I-L-L-U-S-T-R-A-T-E on Instagram. Time for a would you rather, baby. Are you so excited? I'm so excited to hear what yours is. I'm I'm nervous. I'm so excited because this is very specific to you. Oh, so I thought of you on this one. And if you have not read Akatar, you need to stop listening right now. Beep, beep, beep to the end. See you August <laughs> 23rd. Do not keep listening because this is a spoiler. It will spoil stuff. But I need to know Taylor's answer for this. I'm so excited. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So would you rather end up with Tamlin and never have turned into a fairy and you would never know Rysand. You would just 
be basically her before she went to the mountain, hopelessly in love with Tamlin? Or would you rather have stayed human, never have gone into the Fae world, never have known anyone into the Fae world? Looks like the Fae probably would have attacked you as a human. You probably would have died. Dude. Fucked, right? I literally don't know. I need to think this one out. Like this is this is a good one. I know it's very thought provoking. You know, it's hard because in the human world, she's fucking starving. Her family is not treating her well. Oh God. I mean, but then it, like to go to the Fey world, never meet Rysand or Resand. It's like, is it worth going there? But God, I feel like for me, even though I'm not a fan of Tamlin, however, if I never would have met Resand, I would think he is the love of my life, right? Like I'm convinced he's the one. Um, I almost think it's a question of would you rather starve to death or get killed because of the curse? And I feel like starvation is probably pretty painful, but like how painful is a curse death? I don't know. It's I don't so, know. So entertaining to watch you thoroughly think this out and try and come <laughs> up with your decision. I mean, I maybe this Point sounds blank. like a selfish bitch, but I I think I would leave my family and go and be a fucking fairy. It's harder to kill, anyways, right? No, you would never become a fairy, huh? <laughs> yeah, you can't become a fairy. You would go. It would be her before she went under the mountain. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's literally her. Imagine your life as her as before she went under the mountain. So she you know was what? just in love with Tamlin. Still same answer, because if anything, faster death. But at least it's not starvation. I don't know. Is a brutal death better than starvation? I don't know, Carly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I respect. It's like fast, de- fast death versus slow death. I don't know. I respect your answer but i respectfully say that makes me want to fucking gag <laughs> i would rather fucking starve to death and be in a shitty human world than go be in love in quotations with tamlin because that love was fake true and i just and would toxic. rather not live she but she obviously would have never known it was toxic I know. but the fact that i know it was toxic i would rather not live a life in this pseudo fake happiness world i would literally rather die with my family in the human world bring it on damn well she probably would have put up a fight too that once the fake came in i mean she would have died but she would have went out swinging that's true i mean the other thing too is i guess at least if you choose the human world you kind of get to choose when y'all die because you're the only one bringing food to the table but then it's like guilt. It's like, yeah, family, we're fucked. <laughs> what? It's so hard. There's really no good Dude, answer. That's a good one. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> Not to toot my own horn, but I know. <laughs> I don't think all of mine are going to be that good, but that was a pretty good one. No, that was a really good one. Our next episode will be out in two weeks on Wednesday, August 23rd, and that's going to be Fourth Wing Part 2. For more, follow us on our socials, TikTok and Insta or BookTok and Bookstagram at Read It and Write It. 
and subscribe to us on YouTube or wherever you're listening in. Our DMs are open to would you rather suggestions or books and topics you want covered, or you can email us at readitandwriteit at gmail.com. See you next episode.